Amen. Amen. Thank you. Do take a seat if you've not already done so. Great. It's great to be with you this morning, folks. And I want us to spend a few minutes, uh, funnily enough, just thinking about amazing grace, what that grace is and what that means to us. If we can have the first slide up, that would be fantastic. Amazing grace. So we're going to help ourselves look at that and try to understand it a little bit more and how it impacts us and how it impacts others uh, through Paul's writing in Ephesians chapter 2. If you've got a Bible with you and you'd like to turn to it, it will come on the screen as well. Ephesians chapter 2. And Paul writes this. I'm hoping. If it would move on. That's the one. As for you, you were dead in your transgressions and sins in which you used to live when you followed the ways of the world and of the ruler of the kingdom of the air, the spirit who is now at work in those who are disobedient. All of us also lived among them at one time, gratifying the cravings of our flesh and following its desires and thoughts. Like the rest, we were were by nature deserving of wrath. But because of his great love for us, God, who is rich in mercy, made us alive with Christ, Even when we were dead in our transgressions, it is by grace you have been saved. And God raised us up with Christ and seated us with him in the heavenly realms in Christ Jesus, in order that in the coming ages he might show the incomparable riches of his grace, expressed in his kingdom, in his kindness to us in Christ Jesus. For it is by grace you have been saved through faith. And this is not from yourselves, it is the gift of God, not by works, so that no one can boast. For we are God's handiwork, created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God prepared in advance for us to do. Amazing words from Paul, and we're going to just try and unpack a few of them this morning together. I guess Amazing Grace, as we've sung this morning, is probably the best known hymn in the world. I did have a little giggle that Chris Tomlin's taking credit for it. Have you noticed that on the little credits at the bottom? John Newton does get a mention at the end. But if you know the story, John Newton, the slave trader, who's absolutely confounded by this incredible, amazing grace and writes such amazing words. So we sing about grace, we celebrate grace, hopefully we live in grace. But what is it? Well, Paul makes it clear here. This is at verse, verses 4 to 5. He says, but because of his great love for us, God, who is rich in mercy, made us alive with Christ, even when we were dead in transgressions. It is by grace you have been saved. Just take a moment to take those words in. They're incredible words. Because of his great love for us, God, who is rich in mercy, made us alive with Christ, even when we were dead in transgressions. It is by grace you have been saved. You see, grace changes everything. You see the contrast here in this verse between what we were, we were dead in our transgressions and sins. Dead to God. But look at what we are now. We're alive in Christ because, by grace, you have been saved. In fact, Paul gets quite excited about grace. He says those lines, that line, it is by grace you've been saved, twice just in these few verses. So what is this grace by which we've been saved? Well, we know from these verses that it's a love that reaches out to us where we are and where we were. When we're lost in our sin, God reaches out to us. Therefore, we know that it's a God who takes the initiative. 
is not a God who waits for us to be ready. It's not a God who waits for us to be perfect. But it's a God who in his grace reaches out to us, even in the state that we're in. It's a gift that reaches out to us, even in the state we're in. And folks, if you're here this morning, you became a Christian many, many years ago, and there was that moment where you knew God reached out to you in your sin, you know what that amazing grace is. If you're here this morning and you're yet to experience that, my prayer is that you'll discover that amazing grace this morning. But there's a third category of person too, and that's those of us who maybe knew that amazing grace, but we've grown cold to that amazing grace as well. And so actually, as we look back over this past week, even there's things we've been doing, saying, thinking, that have not been worthy of that amazing grace that we've known in our lives. You know, God still reaches out to us again and again and again. That grace is so faithful. It goes on reaching out to us, no matter what we've done, no matter who we believe ourselves to be, God continues to reach out to us. Anybody like Smarties? That's a pretty good sense of energy there. Has anybody noticed the Smarties this morning? Where are the Smarties? Okay, at the floor. Did you notice that uh, little Annabelle nearly pinched the Smarties? In a great fit of self-control, her father gave them back, so I'm grateful to Pete for that. But uh, Yeah, we've got some Smarties this morning. They've been there for the whole duration of the service so far. Would anybody like my Smarties? All right. Who would like Just come and get them. Whoever would like them, you're welcome to come and get them. All right. Oh, it's going to be it's going to be a bit of a. It's, and uh, I won't get there yet. All right. You don't have the smarties. Don't take me. Don't go now. I've just given you the smarties. All right. We can have the smarties. Good to see a little bit of competitive edge there this morning as well. Uh, Nick, I've never seen you run like that. Do sit down. Okay. <laughs> but uh, you see, grace is a bit like the sweets. Grace is a bit like those smarties. It was there all the time. Some of us noticed the smarties. Some of us didn't. But then the fact is that they were there all the time. Grace is available to us all the time because our God, who is rich in mercy, has plenty of sweets. There's plenty more smarties where that one came from, if you like. But you notice what had to happen? We had to come and get those smarties. And you did very well, Pat. You didn't? Oh, that's very good of you as well. Thank you. You can, you can get me a coffee at the end. That will repay me nicely. <laughs> the fact is this. The Smarties were there, but you had to come and get them. The fact is this, folks, that grace is there, but we have to respond to the offer. Wouldn't it be awesome, as we hear about that amazing grace this morning, that we leg it like those folks did a minute ago? Because we long to get into that grace. We long to know the fullness of that grace. Because what is that grace? You know, grace surely is this. It is simply undeserved love. It's an undeserved love. And the significance of that is fantastic. It's a love which is given so freely to you and to me if we only come and get the smarties, if we only come and get it. It's so there available to us. It's so freely given and yet at such incredible cost to Jesus that he would come and die that we would be able to access that incredible, undeserved love. As Paul puts it here, when we were dead in our transgressions, when we were distanced from God, Jesus comes and dies for us. You see, grace is not a love that waits for us to be perfect. It's not a love that waits for us to be in completely the right place. In fact, if anything, grace is the completely the opposite, as this scripture suggests. 
Grace is at work when we are a million miles from God. And it demonstrates the strength of this undeserved love. It reaches us out to us in the very state we're in. In the very challenge of living as a human being and the mess that that brings into our lives. That grace reaches out to us. But we have to respond. We have to receive it too. You know, it's at the cross that we understand so much more of this grace. That moment where Jesus says, Father, forgive them, they know not what they do. It's an incredible picture of grace. Because if you remember the story, then certainly those Roman soldiers had not a clue what they were doing in killing the Son of God. But they seemed to enjoy every minute of it. They were good at what they did. They did it with a skill and a professionalism. They did it brutally and without the slightest concern for the victim going to the cross. And what does Jesus say? Father, forgive them for they don't know what they're doing. You know, amongst those soldiers there's no hint of repentance, no suggestion of sorrow whatsoever and yet Jesus says, forgive them. Do you see that grace? That no matter how distant we are, that grace still reaches out for us. And more than that, I would say, even when we blatantly sin, even when we completely ignore what God has done for us, this grace continues to wait for us, to hope to reach out. And you know, that alone should cause us to think again before we sin, shouldn't it? The great depth of that amazing love, that undeserved love, that amazing grace which is waiting for us. And you know, if we grasp even a little of what that amazing love means, then it should have a phenomenal effect on the way we we treat those around us as well. The way we think about people that we come into contact with day by day. I don't know about you, but I feel I'm so often so quick to judge those around us, particularly those who are non-Christians. They're not living to the standards I want them to live to. What are they like? All those sort of thoughts go through my head. But what would grace do? Grace would continuously wait. Grace would continuously try to show some different attitude. Grace would continually extend love, knowing full well that it may be blatantly, whatever they're doing, might be blatantly against God. But grace still waits. The smarties, if you like, are still there. They're still waiting. Because you see, grace brings not just a change of attitude, but it brings a change of position to us in life as well. And this is how Paul puts it in this passage. And God raised us up with Christ and seated us with him in the heavenly realms in Christ Jesus. Just look at those words again. God raised us up with Christ and seated us with him in the heavenly realms in Christ Jesus. Paul says we are with Christ and that's now. We have to wait until we die, but actually as we know Jesus, as that amazing grace impacts our lives, so we find ourselves in a different position altogether. We are now with Christ, seated with Christ, securing that in the heavenly realms. And yet so often we feel pretty down and fed up, don't we? And life can seem as much struggle for those of us who follow Jesus as those who don't. A couple of weeks ago, Wendy and I met up with a member of Bob Light Life and uh, she'd been struggling with a few issues. There were some events in her, lives that, in her life that had come back to haunt her, essentially. And one of those challenges that we put out to her was just that we would like to pray with her. 
and to try and break some of those things that were in her life. So she came round to us, we prayed with her, felt God spoke uh, graciously into her situation. We saw something of that amazing grace at work in her life. I saw her again this week at a meeting and I just said to her briefly, you know, how's, how's things since we prayed? And she said, yeah, I found a little bit of improvement there, but it wasn't completely dealt with. It's fine. So she said, when I was at house group last Tuesday, I got uh, a few of the ladies there to pray for me. I said, oh, how did that go? What came out of that? She said, well, actually, I felt that what God said to me was I should just deal with it and get over it. So I said, all right, that's clear. So she said, yeah, what I've tried to do is actually know who I am in God and in God's words and just put these things aside. And, you know, I think that's an amazing example of amazing grace there and the way it works and the way we work as church as well, isn't it? So we pray for people, we stand with people, but also people make a decision. Folks, that decision we need to make is we are raised up with Christ, we're seated with him in the heavenly realms in Christ Jesus. Deal with it. We need to move on from those things that hold us back. Yes, we do that prayerfully. Don't misunderstand what I'm saying. But we also need to be people who believe this book. We need to believe what this says and we need to live our lives based on that, not always just what on, we're feel- on what we're feeling. Or in other words, who are we listening to? Or if you like, whose are we? Who do we actually belong to? Do we belong with Christ? Because actually the greatest deal that the devil could serve us is to get all of us to doubt who we really are. Can you imagine how we take the church down so quickly if that was the case? We need to be confident of who we are in Christ. We need to be confident that we are so different. And we are so different because it's now. Not something that we just look forward to, but it's something now as well, that we're seated in those heavenly realms. If this is the truth, if we are seated with Christ, then how do we actually live that out? But I want to make two suggestions this morning that are really key, and we've demonstrated it, and you demonstrate it by the very fact of being here, so well done already. First off, worship is essential. It was great that introduction that Nikki gave us about that whole perspective and her little journey in that, you know, not coming because she felt like it. In fact, how many of us come to church because we don't feel like it? I come to church, I don't feel like it. I get paid to come to church, you know? (laughs) Sometimes it's a struggle, but we come because we want more of that amazing grace, don't we? We worship because we need to know that amazing grace. One of the joys of worship, somebody once said to me once, well, when I went to church, we had one hymn, and then we do that, and we have another hymn, we do that, we have another hymn, you know, hymn sandwich, you right? up, up, and praise the Lord, off you go. I know, I grew up on that. Why do we have such a time of worship? Because it gets us in that place, doesn't it? It brings us to that point of interacting with God, of knowing that amazing grace. And thank you to the band for leading us so well again this morning. Get to that point of knowing it. We make that decision actively to step into it. In Bodmin at the moment, we're looking at bringing healing rooms into the town, a national and international initiative that seeks to bring God's healing into people's lives. And we had a meeting this past Wednesday where uh, the regional director came down. He runs one in Weymouth, and he came down and talked to us about how they operate that healing room. So we got into the sort of logistics of how it operates, and he says, oh, we operate on a Monday evening between 6 and 8. And we generally meet on a Monday morning for about three hours of worship to prepare ourselves to open the healing room. And then we're like, oh, flip. <laughs> three hours of worship to prepare ourselves for that evening. Now, some of us will sit here and go, I love it. Some of us think, flipping out, three hours, right? But what I saw this week in what they came out of it, they were then telling stories of people being healed. Of that alertness to God's spirit where they were hearing from him and be able to minister into situations. 
You know, so often we want cheap grace, don't we? We want to just float in and go, yes, God, I'm here, let's do it. What about preparing our hearts? What about that worship? What about having that sense of worship? Worship is essential. It gives us that perspective and that presence. We need to worship. And secondly, church is essential too. You know, church is essential, yes, because it's a place of corporate worship. That doesn't mean we don't worship at home. It doesn't worship mean we don't worship as we go about in our daily walk. But corporate worship is important. Church is essential. Coming together, and, and, and I guess there's a challenge there, isn't there? Especially as, as summer comes. You know, we get a little bit out of sync. Things go a little bit irrational maybe at home. Do we go to church? Ooh, the beach is only down the road. Folks, can I challenge us and encourage us that church is essential? It comes to put ourselves in that place of worship, of seeking God, of being taught, of hearing from him, of connecting up with one another, of fellowship, of support, and challenging one another, encouraging each other to live another week for Jesus. We need to remind ourselves of his grace. And ultimately, church gives us that opportunity. That's why Christian festivals and conferences are so important as well. You know, it's Creation Fest next next week. You heard Pete talk about it. It's only up the road. Just get there. Get there for an aspect of it. If you can't come for the whole week, just come and enjoy something of the fellowship of the churches there, the fellowship and the worship and the experience that that will be. It's on our doorstep. What a gift. Be there. Make it a priority as we go into this week. Because you see, the more we get that grace, the more we experience the presence of God, then the more we want to put that into action in our own lives and the more we find that we can't keep it to ourselves because grace finally puts others first. Pam, how's those sweets doing? You got them? Have you eaten them yet? Well, that's good, because you're a Christian, so you need to share them. (laughs) Don't think you'll find anybody arguing with that, but Pam's the lady to see at the end of the service. Quickly, because there's not that many smarties in the tea. But the illustration is this, not only does grace sit there, waiting for us to respond, but when we receive that grace, then we become agents of grace. Someone once said, and how I wish it was true, that the church is the only organisation to work primarily for the benefit of its non-members. Wouldn't that be great? Now, we strive for that. We've got a way to go. But wouldn't it be great if that was the reality? The church was an organisation that primarily existed for its non-members. That actually, we always wanted to take the smarties out to the other people. That grace that always looks out for others. This undeserved love which looks beyond itself. You know, we see it at the cross again where Jesus says to his mother and to the disciple he dearly loved, we believe to be John, he says to them, look, this is your son and this is your mother. Even at that point of pain, of suffering, of everything, amazing grace even sees through it to say, actually, I care for you because you see grace is as practical as it is spiritual. You know, I stand up here this morning, I talk about food bank because we want our grace to be as practical as it is spiritual. Folks, we are feeding 50 people a week through what you're ministering downstairs. That's an incredible privilege and honour. 50 people will eat this week because of the generosity of you and the people of St. Austin. That's amazing grace in a very practical form as well. Grace goes on caring time and time again. At Bob Light Life, we meet on 4th Street, as many of you know, and uh, one of the privileges but challenges of that is that we get a number of people who are homeless come in to us as well. And there's a three guys particularly that we've been interacting with over the few months that we've been in operation. This week I bumped into the one of them again in town and uh, he was asking for money as is the norm and I've got to the point where I don't give money but I'm prepared to buy him something. 
So I said, just wait there, and I will go. I'll get you something to eat. What do you like? Oh, a pasty. Good man. So we decided we'd get him a pasty and a coffee. I went into Barnicut's to get him the pasty. And on the way there, my youngest daughter, Amy, was with me. She's 13 years old. She grinks arms with me, and she says, Daddy, I'm so proud of you. And I'm thinking, this is great, isn't it? This is amazing grace. You know, I'm preaching on this on Sunday. Here's my perfect sermon illustration. I go into Barnicut's. Don't buy coffee in Barnicut's. There are other, other opportunities. It took about 20 minutes for this coffee. I don't, whether they went off and picked the beans, I don't know. But anyway, I got the coffee. So eventually I go back to where this man was with his pasty and his coffee and he's gone. It's not there. He's disappeared. Amazing grace means I did quite well. I had a cup of coffee and I had a pasty, but... <laughs> Amy goes, Daddy's gone. He's gone. What do we do? So we walk up and down 4th Street Bobman twice looking for this man. He's not there. He's going to come to church this afternoon, no doubt. What do I do? Do I stuff him for the fact that I paid £4.80 for a coffee and a pasty and the blight had disappeared? What should my attitude be this afternoon? Because you see, for all its beauty, grace is also pretty messy. We see that at food bank. We see that in the guys walking up and down 4th Street. And I think so often we have this picture of the cross and the foot of the cross. We sing songs about the foot of the cross and we sort of see this lush grass and you know we kneel there and it's all lovely and the angels are singing. The foot of the cross would have been an absolute bloodbath. And that's where amazing grace shows itself. As I see this man this afternoon, am I going to stand before him as someone who's spotless or am I going to stand before him as someone with blood on my knees because I've been kneeling at the foot of the cross? And go, mate, if you want another pasty, I'll gladly go and get you a pasty. You see, amazing grace goes on giving and goes on giving and goes on giving. Not just to the homeless guy who needs a pasty in Bodmin, but to you and to me. And that homeless person needs to know that we're agents of grace as a church and as individuals. Because the call on our lives is to be gracious, to live out that amazing grace, to live differently. I want to end with one story before we move into communion. It's a really powerful story and it demonstrates completely what amazing grace looks like. I don't want to just give you this story, and I don't just tell you the story of homeless people in Bodmin and whatever, to give you stories. I give you these stories as I hope an opportunity for the Spirit to prompt something in each one of us that means that we will live differently this week. That we will know that amazing grace from that place of worship. We will have a greater desire than ever to live within that amazing grace and a greater desire than ever to share that amazing grace. This story comes from the post-apartheid Truth and Reconciliation Commission in South Africa. There's a white police constable by the name of Mr. Vanwick. He confessed that one of his colleagues was murdered by a black man. And in a fit of extreme anger, he went into a township, selected a random black woman, and went and took her husband from her house and beat him to death. Still angry, six months later... Mr. Van Wick again returns, and this time takes her son. He puts him on a spit and barbecues him to death. In the Truth and Reconciliation Commission, 
the judge asked this lady what she would want done to Mr. Van Wyck. And this genuinely is her reply. She says, Your Honour, I ask three things. First of all, would Mr. Van Wyck show me where he dumped my husband's remains so I can go and bury his ashes? Secondly, would Mr. Van Wyck come to my home once a month so I can cook him a meal and show him the love that I can never show my son and husband? And finally, can Mr. Van Wyck come over to me now in this courtroom so I can give him a hug and tell him how much Jesus Christ loves him and forgives him, and so do I. At this point, Mr. Van Wyck passes out. As he came round, the whole assembly was spontaneously singing Amazing Grace. One woman in the corner of that courtroom had started the song that saw the whole of that Truth and Reconciliation Commission singing Amazing Grace. That's grace, amazing grace, complete and utter forgiveness that goes on giving. And folks, this is what God offers us this morning. Amazing grace, how sweet the sound that saves a wretch like me. Let's pray together. Paul says, because of his great love for us, God, who is rich in mercy, made us alive with Christ, even when we were dead in transgressions. It is by grace you have been saved. 